Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm not Pastor Jim, but Pastor Jim will be back next week, um, and he will be here, and so nobody leave right away. You have to stay in your seats. Okay, so I'm done. Um, hey, if you've been here the last three weeks, we've actually had three different, um, or two different guest speakers, and then myself. Um, we started out with Charlie Headley and Dave Geith, and I have to make a confession. It's going to sound funny, and then I'm going to get a little serious, but, but I really, Dave talked a little bit in the first service. We get nervous when we come up here. And I, I get nervous, too, because I, I really want you to like me. Like, I really, like, I really do. Like, it's not, like, like I get nervous because I'm like, are they not going to like me? Is somebody going to laugh at my jokes? Like, all those kind of things, right? And the thing I need to confess, and this is, this is going to sound funny, but then in, in the heart of it is a little serious, is I want you to like me better than everyone else, okay? Like, that's, like, I really do. And that sounds funny, and it's all good, and I, and I, I laugh at it as well, but but there's a flesh part of me, and I'm going to be serious just for a second. There's a flesh part of me that when I see someone else on the stage, I compare myself to them. I really do. I, I think, oh, man, they're so much better at me than this, or, man, I, I could have done that. I, and I do that. Not in a good way. Because I want you to like me more. There's, there's that part of me that hopes that you think that I'm better. And this is what I had to deal with Jesus. Because I know this makes me look really dumb, and I understand that. I get it. But there's a reason I'm confessing it. It's because I worked this out with Jesus, and so I'm not really telling you because I'm trying to, like, confess it so I get free. Like, that, that's not the case. I'm telling you this because when me and Jesus were working it out, I also noticed that I would compare other people. That because I'm a person who compares myself, I would often compare one person to another. And in basketball and in certain things, that's fine. Like, I'm a big sports guy, so I compare players, that's fine. But when it comes to preaching the word, can I just tell you this? Do not compare the vessels, okay? Because we will all have different ways that we deliver, have different jokes, have different styles, and that's all good. What matters is this, that it sits right here. And because of the leadership of Pastor Jim, any speaker that gets on this stage, this is in his heart or her heart. Because they know that this is more important than anything we wear or how we talk or our jokes. And so please, as a congregation, as church people, do not fall into the trap of comparing vessels to vessels and saying, well, I like that one more, and so I'm only going to go when that one preaches, or they're not as good as the other one, because no, 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 none of that matters except for this. Do you have a favorite cup at your house that you put your coffee in? Everybody does, right? When you begin to believe that that cup is more important than what's inside the cup, you got a problem. Serious? Okay. When anybody gets on this stage, listen, they might look different, talk different. They might not present or tell as many jokes or however it is that you like it. What you need to be focused on as Christians is this right here. Is that being preached? Amen? Okay, so that's how I'm just saying that. I need to make that confession. I also needed to convict you a little bit, all right? Because that's, so this is church, right? If you're not doing that, what is this? Um, hey, again, my name is Pastor Charlie. We had uh, some great speakers and that I compared myself to, but worked that out with Jesus. So I'm going to set up 
what, uh, what we talked about in the weeks before, because today we're going to conclude our series called This is Church. The church doesn't work unless you do. And so what happened was Pastor Charlie Headley uh, kicked us off. He's our, he's our generations pastor. And we are talking about this story in Luke chapter 10. So if you want to turn your Bibles there, Luke chapter 10, um, this story called The Good Samaritan. And Pastor Charlie kicked us off by talking about the lawyer who was questioning Jesus. Jesus was teaching, and the lawyer decides, hey, he wants to question Jesus a little bit on the law of Moses. So he says, hey, what, are the, what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then it says that the lawyer, trying to justify himself, says, well, who is my neighbor? And Pastor Charlie did a great job, and he talked about how we have those questions in our head, and we try to set boundaries and all kinds of stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit today. And then Dave Geith came up the next week, and he did a great job, and he talked about the beginning of the story, that once the lawyer asked the question of, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus doesn't give him an answer. He tells him a story. So he tells him the story that's called the Good Samaritan. It's a story that Jesus is using. It's not it didn't, take, it didn't happen in real life. It is a, a story that Jesus told in real life to show this man this answer. And he talks about how a man was beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road and how two people, a priest and a Levite, walked right by him. And Dave did a great job at explaining like legalism and all the, the different reasons why we walk by people that are hurting and how we can't do that anymore. And it was great. And now we're going to get to the very final section of the story. And we're going to start in verse 33. I'm going to read it, and then we're going, to, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go on. So it says this, verse 33, this is Luke chapter 10. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said, go and do the same. Father, God, let me be a vessel. God, let, let those of us that need to hear the word, no matter what situation we're coming in or, or whether we've been in church for 30 years, it does not matter that, Father, you have something for us today. So God, open up our hearts. God, use me as a vessel to preach your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, when you hear the word Samaritan, when you hear the word Samaritan, there is an image that comes to your mind, right? Like a lot of, if, it, if I say good Samaritan, some of you think, oh, I know exactly what that person looks like. In fact, you probably have a story. I have a story. I was, um, I was in my office. If you don't know me that well, you should probably know this. I'm not a very good handyman, okay? I see, I can almost tell which of you are handymen and which of you are not just by looking at you, all right? I make prejudgments like that all the time, all right? And, uh, and I, by looking at me, you could probably tell, mm, probably not one. And so you were correct, okay? I don't work well with, with tools. I don't know anything about them. I will call tools the wrong name. I'll just take guesses because I'm just like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a socket. I have no idea, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just making it up, okay? So I'm just not that guy. I am good for a joke. So if you need to hear a joke, I can maybe tell you one. Um, I might make fun of you, and so that's, that's your own risk. Uh, I, am, I can be there for moral support, and I'm pretty good, like, just kind of helping out. So if you mean to hold something or, or, you know, help you move something, I'm pretty good at all that kind of stuff. So my buddy, his name is Todd. His wife had a flat tire when she was picking up her kids from school. 
So Todd comes into my office, knowing I'm not that good of a handyman, but he says, hey, can you help me fix my wife's tire? Now I can fix a tire, it's just gonna take me a lot longer to do than most of you. Um, and so I was like, all right, let's go. We get in his car, we find his wife, and it's, it's like the school pickup parking lot. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that awful place, right? Where you're just, you don't know what's going on. There are lines and arrows and no one's following them, right? People are stopping. Kids are jumping in. They're taking off while the car's, it's amazing, okay? It's, it's chaos, right? And she has broken down right in the middle of all the chaos, right? And she has her, her flat tire. So me and Todd get out. We're like, all right. We go over to the, to the back of the trunk. We pull out um, the car jack. And you know the car jacks that come with the car, the worst piece of machinery ever made in life, right? You know what I'm talking about? It goes up, like you crank it five times, it goes up like, like one inch and you're just like oh my gosh so we're there we're doing this whole thing and we're we're trying our best right and then a man comes up to me and Todd as we're trying to do this and we're tired because we've we've been like going for like five minutes straight nothing's happening yet and uh, and he goes hey you guys need any help now let me tell you a man asked two other men do they need help what do you think <laughs> what do you think my answer was all right nah man nah we got it we got it we're good we're good. We're almost there. Three more feet. We're good, right? Okay. He leaves. He comes back. Are you guys sure you don't need any help? No, 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 man. We're good. We got this, all right? I'm not saying I need help. My eyes are saying I need help, but my, my mouth is saying no. No, no, we're good. But he, he leaves in a certain way that I'm like, I think he's going to help us no matter what. So he leaves. He walks over. He walks to his truck. And so I'm already like, ah, I like this guy. He walks to his truck. He pops open. He has one of those cool tool chests on the back of his truck. You ever seen guys like that? I want one of those so bad just to put not tools in. I don't have any of those, but I could just put other stuff. They just look so cool. And, and he pops it open, and he busts out this the biggest drill I've ever seen in my life, and it has a lug nut socket at the end of it, right? And then he pops open uh, uh, the tailgate, and he takes out the biggest jack I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, where is that thing, okay? Why didn't I come with my car? And, and he just rolls it. He doesn't even say anything to us. He just puts the jack under, and seriously, as if this was a NASCAR race, just goes, zit, 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 replace zit, 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 takes off. Man, I didn't even get to say bye. I didn't even get to say bye. I mean, I seriously, I blinked. And was, I was like, oh, thanks, man. We would have. I had one of those in my other car. Uh, like, I was just like bewildered. Like, I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he just left. And I would always say, man, that was such a good Samaritan, right? That is the image that most of you get when I say that word Samaritan. When Jesus says, and a Samaritan walked by. That is not the image anybody who's listening to the story gets. In fact, the image is more like this. Do you know when you're at a family gathering, okay, like a barbecue or something, and there's the family member that's going through something that everyone knows not to talk about, and then cousin so-and-so knows the cheese may, right? <laughs> I know what that word is. Play. I heard Lencho say it last service, so I, I felt like I could say it this service. And he knows, and everybody knows not to talk about it, but cousin so and so says, Hey, what about, and he says the name or says the situation or whatever, and everybody in the party goes, Oh no. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, everybody gets a little stiff. Oh, how's this going to go? Ooh, right? That's the kind of reaction 
that is among those Jewish people when Jesus says, and a Samaritan walks by. People are saying probably derogatory things. People are, are smirking. People think they already know the end of the story. If a Samaritan walks in on a Jewish man laying down on the side of the road, maybe he'll beat him up more. Maybe he'll just finish the job and kill him. Maybe he'll, he'll take everything he has and just leave him with absolutely nothing. They think they already know the end of the story. But instead, when Jesus continues on, they are bewildered by what they hear. It says, but a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, and I want you to look at this, he felt compassion. Like he felt it. He felt compassion. I need, I need to, to just stop and just tell you what compassion is in the dictionary. Compassion means a fellow feeling. And, and there's a difference there between this and something that all of you probably think is compassion, but you're getting it mixed up with a different word. The word you're getting it mixed up with is sympathy. A lot of you think you have compassion, but instead you have sympathy. This is the way my brother-in-law put it, and I love the way. His name is Isaiah Sanchez, and he put it like this. He said, sympathy's answers is thoughts and prayers. Compassion's answer is you. Sympathy's answer is this. Oh, man, that's a really rough situation. I'll be praying for you. Or I'm thinking about you. Positive thoughts being sent out. Anything that people say nowadays, right? Just to say, hey, man, that's rough. Compassion's answer is you. Compassion is what the dictionary says, a fellow feeling. That when I see something, I allow my brain, who has sympathy, to then infect my body so that my body feels what that person is going through. Like when the Samaritan walks by the man who's laying on the side of the road, he doesn't think, wow, that's a really rough gig, man. That's really tough. I'm so sorry about that and just keeps on walking. Then it says he went and he felt compassion. He could feel the wounds that were on his body. He could feel the loneliness that the man felt. He could feel the anxiety that the man felt about not knowing if the next person was going to save him or kill him. Like that he felt what that man was feeling. That's compassion. And too many of us have said sympathy is our compassion and haven't done anything with compassion just yet. And the reason is, is we're not too sure how do we get from here to here. There's a lot of ways you can go, but I'm going to give you probably the best way in order to go from sympathy to compassion. And it is totally against what this world and this culture will tell you to do. In fact, we have been set up to not do this thing in so many ways. We have created social media where all you have to do is put out all your stuff out there and you don't have to fact check it or anything. You can just say whatever you want. You have the internet where you can just say whatever you want. You can talk, talk, talk. If you were to turn on uh, uh, any debate, whether it's a city council or presidential, you would see two people not doing this. They would just be yelling, yelling, yelling. But I'm going to tell you that this is what a good neighbor does. This is how you get from having sympathy to compassion, that good neighbor neighbors listen you listen and not hear okay some of you are really good at hearing okay in fact you're so good at hearing that when someone talks you already know what you're gonna say because you already know what they're gonna say right that's how good you are at hearing you don't even need to listen to the end of their sentence you already heard the beginning so you know what you're gonna say right you don't need to hear anything else Good neighbors listen. 
They listen to what someone who doesn't think like them, talk like them, believe like them, they listen to what they are saying because listening will lead you to compassion. Listening, let me just be very clear, listening will not lead you to compromise. Not this anyways. Listening to someone of what they believe and why they believe it and where it all came from and how they developed whatever thinking it is that the way that they're thinking, listening to that will not lead you to compromise. At least not the gospel. It might lead you to change your thinking on a couple other things, but it won't lead you to change this. But this is what it will do. You see, when you listen to someone else and you listen and you begin to feel what they're feeling, and you begin to understand where they're coming from, you know where to meet them. And when you know where to meet them, you then know how to get them from where they are to the gospel. Too many times, we're not listening and we're just talking. Because that's what culture's told us to do. Why do I need to listen? I just need to say what I believe and then everyone's gonna follow, right? No. In fact, in Scripture it says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. When we're too quick to speak, slow to listen, we end up saying something to someone else that they actually don't need to hear because you haven't met them where they are yet. So you're giving them things that they don't actually care about. You're telling them things that they've already decided that that's wrong. You're not listening to where they're coming from, so therefore you don't know where they are. If you don't know where they are, then you don't know how the gospel applies to their life, and you cannot give them a clear understanding of how this can transform them. I'll give you an example. I have a, a student, next student, who struggles with gender identity. She's older now. She's like 25. And they struggle with gender identity. And in their struggle, there are a lot of things that I've already thought up that I could tell them. And they went to my youth group. And they went to this Christian school that I was the chaplain at. So I already know, like, hey, I've said all these things before. Maybe you forgot. And then I decided, you know what? She was doing a, um, uh, like an Instagram post story. And instead of just skipping through, I decided to listen. And do you know what I heard? I heard about anxiety. I heard a lot about fear. I heard a lot about unrest and not knowing who. Now my presentation of who Jesus is, all of a sudden, even though it's the same Jesus, all of a sudden I'm coming at it at a different angle. Because I don't need to, to then talk about, well, you need to change this. I need to say, do you know, I know a Jesus who can help you with that anxiety. Do you know what? I actually know a Jesus who's already given you an identity. Do you know what? I actually already know a Jesus who in the storms and going on in your life, he can be your peace. But in order to get there, I had to listen. Church, we are called to be set apart and nothing in our culture tells us to listen. It just tells us to talk. It's how we're set up. I'm telling you, I'm begging you, whether you're a Christian or not, I'm begging you, learn to listen because listening will lead you to compassion it'll lead you to want to do something and that's 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 the next thing you see the the good samaritan do right when he says he feels compassion and then look what he does he says and came to him 
and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, on the next day, after spending all night with him, he takes out two denarii. Do you know what two denarii are? Two weeks' pay at the inn. That is what two denarii would be. Two weeks' pay. He says, here's for two weeks. And then the guy says this, hey, and if anything else happens, if anything else just, just, just comes up, you just let me know. When I'm coming through, I will go out of my way to check up on this man and I will pay you whatever else. That's what compassion does. Compassion, when you let it infect your body, it cannot do anything but make you move. Compassion will move you to move. You cannot stay still and have compassion. So if you stayed in your seat for a long time, let me tell you, you have turned off the noise of the world and just had a whole lot of sympathy. And I'm asking you to turn up the noise on what's going on around you, in your workplace, in your family. I'm asking you to listen to what they're going through and to move and to have compassion. These people that were on the stage stopped having sympathy for kids in foster care system and decided to have compassion and decided they were going to give up a week at work, a week with their families, and they were going to show up at a camp. This ain't no resort. They're going to show up to a camp. They were going to break up fights, and they were going to listen to kids and what they were going through because they were moved by the compassion they had for them. Uh, Megan Travers is going. She's, she works with us in, in the office. She has on her wrist an L and an M. Those are the two girls she'll be with. And she prays for those girls every day, not because she has sympathy, but because she has compassion. How are you moving? What are you doing? And can I tell you what compassion is not? Let me just, let me just make sure I, I clarify this. Compassion is not loving someone in your family or in your workplace or whatever, and you invite them to church. And then you're like, all right, you're going to come to church at New Beginnings. And you are going to know Jesus because I brought you and I have compassion for you. No, no, no. Because have you ever done that? Let me tell you if this has ever happened. Have you ever brought someone to church that you're like, all right, they need to be here. They need to be here. And he had worship and it was good. And then the preacher got up and he just started talking. And then you had one of those, oh, no, not this sermon. Have you ever done that, right? <laughs> no, not this one. He's going to do that one. I don't want him to do that one. Have you ever had that happen to you? You bring like your family, you're all excited. All right, come to church. You're going to hear all about, the, and he's going to change your life because Pastor Jim's going to preach this amazing message. It's going to speak to you. And then he starts talking. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. Do you know why that happens? Can I tell you why? Because when we're praying about what to preach here, it's for the congregation. When you're sitting there with your friend and you feel they need to hear something, God didn't give me the word to tell your friend. He gave you the word to tell your friend. You don't think you're qualified for that. I'm telling you, you are. That it is not enough just to bring them to church or to copy this link and send it to them. Hallelujah. Okay? It's not enough. There is a mission that you are on as a Christian. I'm talking to the Christians here. A mission that you are on as a Christian that when compassion moves you, you move as much as you need to. Like the Samaritan did when he gives two denarii and bandages the wounds. You go as far as God calls you to go. That means you ask him a question. You follow up. You get uncomfortable and you pray with him at work. You say, hey, what did you like about the sermon? Or do you have any questions? Let me tell you some scriptures that maybe will help. Let me tell you about maybe this. Let me tell you about what God did in my life life that transformed me that's compassion that's 
moving. Don't cheapen it. Don't cheapen yourself and thinking like, I'm not good enough, so I'll just bring him to church and it'll work. Let me tell you, this is a really great, I, I love doing church here. This is like, probably like my favorite thing. I have my, the best job in the world. I hope you have the best job in the world for you. I have the best job in the world for me. And, and we do program stuff and it's all good. Jesus doesn't use programs to save people. If he did, he would have come back in the year 2000 and would have helped with Y2K and done all that kind of stuff and saved people through 12 different programs. Instead, he came in BC and decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to use a man to come down. I'm going to come down myself and I'm going to invest in 12 disciples and those people are going to save people. Jesus wants to use people to save people, not programs to save people. So stop clicking the link and sharing it and just kind of bringing someone to church and then not talking about it for like three weeks and being like, hey, did you like it? What'd you think? Did you like our lights? I don't care about any of that. What I care about is does that person know that they can talk to you about the transforming love of the gospel? But in order to do that, you're going to have to move. And in order to move, you're going to have to have compassion and understand where they are. Amen? If you're new here today and you're just checking out church, you're not even really sure about church, you're like, let me just tell you, I, I, I love, I love, love, love Jesus. Like, I gave my life for him. And, and I thought about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't just go, hey, that sounds pretty good. I'll just do that. No, I thought about it, all right? I thought about it so much, I was like, I gotta, should probably make a career out of this. And, and there have been times where I'm like, what? Like, what is the reason? And I come back to this, that Jesus is a person that I believe is so smart, is so compassionate, is so loving, that God is so wonderful and unexplainable. I remember in a summer camp, someone said, like, if you can explain God, he wouldn't be worthy of your worship. And I just said, okay, that makes sense to me. Like, because I don't want to worship something I can just explain away. And Jesus is just this amazing, just super smart, super compassionate man. And, and I love what he does here. Because remember, who asked him the question? It's the lawyer, right? The lawyer is sitting there saying, well, who is my neighbor? And maybe the lawyer is asking that question from a logical standpoint, right? Like he's like, there's a lot of people in the world. You're telling me I got to be one to all of them? I don't know. It says that he's trying to justify himself. So I'm going to believe that he is trying to think of a way of how can I do the least amount to get to eternal life? And Jesus tells him the story, and then he asks him this question. So the lawyer asks the first question. And listen how Jesus responds. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? He doesn't answer the question. He doesn't even address the original question. He flips it around. This man is saying, hey, which people do I have to be a neighbor with? And Jesus is like, oh, no, 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 no. I see what you're doing there. No, how are you being a neighbor? See, you're trying to put a boundary on who's supposed to be your neighbor, and I'm telling you, that's not the question you're actually answering. You want me to answer what it is to have eternal life? Let me ask you this. How are you doing at being a neighbor? How are you doing? Don't look at them, person, and say, well, they're not good enough to be a neighbor. No, 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 no. What are you doing to be a neighbor? T.W. Mason says this. Um, he says that neighbor, a neighborhood doesn't create love, but love does create neighborliness, neighborliness. And this is what I would want to say, is that a neighbor is not defined by who they are, but who you are. And how are you doing at that? How are you doing at that? I talked about listening a little bit ago. 
And I know the thought that some of you had in your mind when I said you should listen. You thought this, but they don't listen to me. I'm so sorry. I don't remember that being a prerequisite for you having to do what God asked you to do. I don't remember them having to do what you want in order for you to love them. That sounds like a boundary to me. In fact, I can somehow remember a Jesus that told me that if someone slapped me on my right cheek, I was supposed to turn my left. And if someone asked me to go to mile, I was supposed to go two. And if someone didn't listen to me, that I was supposed to listen to them regardless because my neighborhood has no boundaries. Because love defines my neighborliness, not who you are or what you do for me. I have, a, I have a story that I think probably represents this a little bit better. This is from a, a man named Tony Campolo, and I don't agree with everything Tony Campolo says, but I do agree with this story. And Tony Campolo is a, a, a speaker, and so he travels all the time, and his base is in Philadelphia, and he was in Hawaii, and he hadn't quite acclimated to the time change. And so he was up really early in the morning, about 3.30, and this is the story that happens to him in Honolulu. It says, up a side street, I found a little place that was still open. I went in, took a seat on the stools at the counter, and waited to be served. This is one of those sleazy places that deserves the name Greasy Spoon. The guy behind the counter came over and asked me, what do you want? I said, I wanted a cup of coffee. He poured a cup of coffee, and as I sat there in my coffee at 3.30 in the morning, the door of the diner suddenly swung open, and to my discomfort, in marched eight or nine provocative and boisterous prostitutes. It was a small place, so they sat on either side of me. The talk was loud and crude. I felt completely out of place and was just about to make my getaway when I overheard the woman beside me say, tomorrow's my birthday, I'm gonna be 39. No party though, I've never had a party in my life. When I heard that, I made a decision. I sat and waited until the woman had left. Then I called over the guy behind the counter and I asked him, the one right next to me, does she come every night? Yeah, that's Agnes, she comes every night. What do you wanna know? Because I heard her say that tomorrow's her birthday. What do you say you and I do something about that? What do you think about throwing her a birthday party? Calling in his wife who did the cooking in the back room, the man shouted, hey, come out here. This guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow's Agnes's birthday. This guy wants us to go in with him and throw a birthday party for her right here tomorrow night. So at 2.30 the next morning, uh, I went back to the diner. I picked up some great paper decorations at the store and I made a sign out of the big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. I decorated the diner from one end to the other. And the lady must have gotten the word out on the street because at 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. And at 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swung open and in came Agnes and her friend and we all screamed, Happy Birthday. And her mouth felt open. Her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her by the arm to steady her. And as she was led to sit on one of the stools along the counter, we all sang happy birthday to her. As we came to the end of the singing, happy birthday, dear Agnes, happy birthday dear, to you, her eyes moistened. Then the birthday cake came out. Blow out the candles, Agnes, blow out the candles, come on. Then the man handed her the knife. Cut the cake, Agnes, we all want some cake. Agnes looked down at the cake. Then without taking her eyes off it, she slowly and softly asked, is it okay if I keep the cake a little while? I mean, is it okay if we don't eat it right away? Then looking at me, she said, I live just a couple doors down. I just wanna take the cake home, okay? I'll be right back. 
She got off the stool, picked up the cake, and carrying it like it was the Holy Grail, walked slowly toward the door, and we all stood there motionless until she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place. Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, what do you say we pray? Looking back on it now, it seems strange to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But then it just felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. When I finished, the owner leaned over with a trace of hostility in his voice said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? In one of those moments, when just the right words come out, I said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> the owner waited <clears throat> and then answered, no, you don't. No, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join. I'd join a church like that. I'm, I'm very happy that Agnes got a birthday party. But my emotion is a heart that breaks for an owner that couldn't believe, that couldn't believe that a church would throw a birthday party for a prostitute at 3.30 in the morning. Because I don't know who that owner had come in contact with. I don't know who he had met to make such an assumption. But he had it. A neighbor is not defined by who they are, but who you are. Now, we've been telling the story for the past three weeks. And we've had a lot of different characters, right? We've had the, the lawyer. We had Jesus. In the story, we have the, the Levite and the priest. And then we have the Good Samaritan. But for some of you, you don't relate to any of those. You relate to the other character. To the one that got beat up and left for dead. Broken. Watching people just walk by that should be helping. That's who you think you are. And you can't understand it quite clearly because you're like, hey, I, I feel really good. Like my body is healthy. Why do I feel so beat up? Hey, I got a good amount of money in my savings. I, I make it every week. Why do I feel so poor? Why is it that no matter what I do and no matter how I live my life, I just feel like I'm just laid up on the side of the road and then people that should be helping me are just walking by, whispering, gossiping. And that's who you've related to. I'm here to tell you this, that on behalf of the people that call this church their home, that we are sorry that we are not perfect all the time and that sometimes we make the mistake of not reflecting who Jesus is and walking by you. But our heart, let me tell you, our heart is that we want to walk with you, that we want to help you. That my heart is to introduce you to a Jesus that will transform your life. Because let's be honest, your life isn't going great right now. You've tried it by yourself. And you still feel beat up and bloody and on the side of the road. And you don't even tell anybody this. You haven't told your wife this. But that's how you feel. And I'm here to tell you that I know a Jesus that will pick you up. That will put you on his back. <laughs> 
that will take you to the end, that will pay any price, a price that cost him his life on the cross, just so that you can know and have a relationship with him because he already knows you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He doesn't even mind. He just cares about your soul. He just cares that you feel like you're alone and he wants to let you know today that you're not. That if you're willing to come, he's willing to take you. And maybe you want to make that decision today. And I'm going to give you the opportunity. So if you could bow your head, close your eyes with me. We're going to pray. And if today you want to make that claim, whether you're here in person or online, all I want you to do is take a small, very small step of faith. And I just want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. I see you in the background. you're online or in person I just my prayer right now is for you if you're in the congregation I want you to just pray your own prayer father as we have people here who feel they've been beaten up and laid up on the side of the road and the God they want to come to a savior who will love them who will help heal their wounds and their bandages who will help them get back up on their feet and will give them eternal life I pray that right now you would let them know that you love them Holy Spirit I pray you would come down on them that you would cleanse up all their sins that Father anything they're going through right now where they felt depressed or anxiety God they'd feel hope encouraged God knowing that you are there with them and that God is the body of Christ as we sit here today, as we are the church, that this thing doesn't work unless we do. God, I pray we would stand up with our brothers and sisters in this time with them, that, Father, we would, we would go and walk this life with them, that, God, we would put them on our shoulder and say, I've got you, I'll help you, I'll encourage you, you can ask me questions. And that, God, they would be a testimony to the goodness and the, transform, that the transformation of the gospel. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Can you guys stand with me? We have a wonderful ministry going to happen right out here. If you want to grab a bag or for yourself or if, if you feel like that's your opportunity to create a relationship with someone so you can talk to them about the gospel and about Jesus and about the church, that's great. In whatever situation, we want you to allow compassion in your heart to move, to sometimes take risks and do something. So there'll be community marker right outside as you guys leave. But before you leave, I want to read to you the very last verse, last two verses. Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And then Jesus said, go and do the same. So church, go and do the same. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.